Hi, I'm Lisa Morton, founder of Roland Dransfield PR. Welcome to We Built This City. With this podcast, I wanted to shine a light on the people who have put the heart into modern Manchester. You can build a city with bricks and mortar, but it's the people that make Manchester great. People like my guest, Diane Bourne. We're a city of storytellers. Luckily for all of us, there are so many great people with stories to tell. Most people will know Diane as the diary editor for the Manchester Evening News between 2005 and 2017, in the era of the arrival of the Manchester paparazzi. She covered the region's best parties, gigs, restaurants and launches and could basically get into any door in the city without having to say, do you know who I am? Because everybody knew who that Diane Bourne was. She left the MEN in 2017 and has since then been a freelance journalist including deputy editor for I Love Manchester, another fantastic publication dedicated to celebrating all the good stuff that there is to love about Manchester. Diane, thank you so much for joining me on We Built the City. Oh, it's no problem. Thank you. So you're known as someone who knows the city restaurant, bar, celebrity party and music scene inside out. So I'm looking forward to going down a bit of a Manchester memory lane with you um, to relive a life that um, everybody wanted to have that you did. So first of all, I've got to ask, have you ever been knocked back at an A-list celebrity party and had to say, do you know who I am? (laughs) Do you know what, Lisa? I'm proud to say no, I haven't ever had to say that. I've heard plenty of people say it, though, in my company. And I think, um, have you got a story along these lines as well? I think you have, haven't you? That's all. I don't know if my client might not be very happy, but yeah, I mean, we did launch 20 stories uh, a couple of years ago, which was an amazing night. I think you were at it and it was like a snowstorm that night. So everybody we'd hoped to be on the terrace was also inside the restaurant, but obviously a very successful launch. And then a week later, I rocked up with my son on a Sunday afternoon to take a present to somebody I booked in for lunch and the doorman wouldn't let me in. And I did. I didn't say, do you know who I am? But I did. I was almost pushed to it. Yeah, but my son will never, ever let me live that down now. So but that was the only time. And thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually from Cheshire, Sandbach, but there's no way you can't be a bona fide adopted Mancunian because you've eaten more canapes and drank more cocktails in the city than probably most people who were born and bred here. So do you feel Mancunian? Oh, totally. Um, and I think most people um, from Cheshire, really, South Cheshire, um, will think of Manchester as their home city, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cheshire, I guess the, the, the city of, of Cheshire is Chester, but the South Cheshire side, you know, Sandbach, Aldley Edge, Wilmslow, much more associated with, with Manchester. Mm-hmm. And um, it was coming to Manchester every weekend with my parents that kind of made me want to be a journalist because we used to park right outside the MEN offices on Harbin Street. Yeah. And there used to be the MEN and the Daily Mail building on the corner, a big white building. And as a young young person, I just thought, oh, that's, that's so exciting. This is what, you know, I want to be in the city. I want to be a journalist. And that's really, you know, what set me on my way. That's amazing. And it's just an institution, isn't it, the Manchester Evening News? And we used to come every Christmas. They used to open the doors, actually, and they used to let us all go into the boardroom. We have a bit of a, of a, a drinks party in the boardroom. So that was great. Ooh. And now, obviously, it's spinning fields and you kind of wouldn't even know it was there. So what was your journey into being a journalist then from that point? Well, um, so I went to university, did English degree, um, and then didn't, well, didn't know how to get into the industry, really. I thought, it, oh, it's going to be really hard. Um, but then I just started firing off loads of letters and I managed to get a job at the Nutsford Guardian, um, a weekly paper, um, working under a really inspirational editor, actually, at that time, who had got a background in nationals. So she kind of 
really took the young tra- uh, trainee reporters under her wing. So had an amazing training there, then got an opportunity to come into Manchester to work for the old Manchester Metro News, yeah. which was part of the MEN's stable of newspapers. And again, so I was like, oh, I'm, I was in the same building then as the MEN, and I was like, I thought I'd made it. I was like, oh, my God, the MEN, I saw all the journalists there running through, and it yeah. just seemed so exciting. Um, and again, that was a great grounding there, but I wasn't on the MEN, and there were no job opportunities then at the time. So I went off to the Sentinel in Stoke, which is obviously a big daily newspaper, um, and had a good couple of years there. I was Cheshire Chief Reporter. Um, and I had still had friends, who, obviously from Metro days, who were working in Manchester, and they knew how much I wanted to work at the MEN. So they let me know a job had come up. And I was just, I was like, yes, definitely, I need to, need to get in there. And I didn't even know what the job was at that point, but obviously found out the information. And it was working, it was uh, working for the diary page, mm-hmm. um, the showbiz page, that was then being run by Carmel Thomason. Um, and so it would be her underling, effectively, kind of her deputy. Um, a bit of a lackey, I suppose, doing, you know, doing the thing, maybe the job she didn't want to do. But really exciting. And, yeah. of course, the job she didn't want to do would be things like going to launch parties. So it's like, wow, how exciting. But it wasn't so much that I wanted to be a showbiz reporter. It was the fact that I really wanted to work for the Manchester Evening News. Um, anyway, so then the rest is history, really. I kind of worked with her. She decided to change jobs after a couple of years, wanted to um, focus on health reporting. Um, so I kind of stepped up to be the diary editor. And I did that for, I was there for 13 years. So it's quite, which is quite a long time yeah. to be doing that kind of reporting, which is kind of working all day, then going out all night and covering crazy events and interviewing celebrities and and then trying to get all the copy back the next day mm-hmm. for edition. Of course, now, I mean, on, the way it's changed so much, obviously, with, with online side of things, um, it used to be kind of two deadlines. There was a morning deadline and an evening deadline. Um, but now, obviously, it's just, it's just constant because mm. you're constantly trying to feed that the internet and feed daily, you know, hourly deadlines, make sure you get the things up first before anyone else, that kind of thing. I've sat next to you at so many, like, charity do's and stuff and you can't speak because you're actually having to get your copy sorted, like, well, there yeah, and then. Yeah. that's right. I mean, that, again, in recent years, that was kind of a big change because a lot of the time you could wait till the morning and, and just write it in the morning or write it from home. Um, but, yeah, with the internet, you got to get the information straight up. So, yeah, so became a little bit more antisocial, I suppose, mm-hmm. in, in recent years because I'd be sitting there on me on my iPad, desperately yeah. tapping out <laughs> tapping out all the coffee, like, oh, I will talk to you in a minute, I will talk to you in a minute. And, of course, one of the problems with that, ro- well, problem's a good problem, but everyone kind of knows you. Yes. And so everyone wants to come and have a chat. Yeah. And often it'd be like, oh, but I've just got to finish this, got to just get this deadline. Yeah. So, yeah. And I suppose with pressures as well now in journalism, then you couldn't have your own kind of die and born could you your own lucky no I never had no I never had my own lucky unfortunately (laughs) and when you were at the Manchester Evening News though I mean were people were your colleagues envious of your role as you as they're all kind of staying to file stories on the local elections or something and you're tripping off in a pair of heels and an invitation to a big do Um, no not really I don't think so um I think most of the journalists were kind of relieved that it was me doing the tv stuff and the showbiz stuff um the thing is, it was still work. Um, and so, yeah, it might seem glamorous, but you're the one who's got to go like on a red carpet and try and grab all the celebrities yeah. for an interview. Um, you know, it, it might seem like a fantastic job, but at the end of the day, it is still work yeah. and you've got to get that copy back. Mm-hmm. So, yes, maybe at the end of the night you can then enjoy a drink, but you've got to be professional you know, at least for, you know, a little bit. <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I know, and the same for us is in terms of events. And this year it's just been so weird because normally we've got a, a kind of event season over the summer and then you get September through to Christmas. So 
in November we are it's an event every night and there's no way you can actually really enjoy yourself because you're, you're on another one the next night and you're just trying to look at what time you can get to bed and take your heels off mm. and nurse your feet really. So ultimately then, did you always feel that Manchester was like a party city, kind of the big lights? Were you always drawn here from a social point of view before you went to the Manchester Evening News? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this was the place that, you know, we would everyone would come out um, to the bars and of course the clubs when we, when we were a little bit younger. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's always been a city, hasn't it, with, with the buzz about it. Mm. And I just feel quite um, honoured really that, you know, maybe I played a bit of a part in, in the buzz over the past 15 years, really, which was a kind of a, a different kind of vibe. Um, there was the the huge boom, wasn't there, in, in yes. restaurants and bars in the city. Um, and, yeah, it was a really interesting time to be a journalist and to be doing the sort of thing that I, the journalism I was doing. It was kind of kind of a, a dawn of a new celebrity culture, I think. Did you, so that was 2005. Did you feel that in 2005 or did it start? Because obviously then we had the, we had the 2008 recession, yeah. but then everybody went out even more, I think, because... That 2008-9, it was, it was busier in the city in terms of going out and leisure and nightlife than it had ever been. Mm. So what did you notice? What was the change in that period of time, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was after the recession that we saw some of the, you know, it just became crazy, the, mm. the amount of businesses, didn't it? Mm. But yeah, you're right. There was that, I think people really wanted a party and after everything that was happening. And that's what uh, is my big hope for mm. next year, for 2021, yeah. is that, as soon as we are allowed to go back out safely and party, I think Manchester is just going to be absolutely boom town again, isn't mm. it? And all the restaurants and bars, I think, will if they can survive this period, um, are going to see an, an unbelievable period where everyone is wanting to go out and not only celebrate, but also really treasure those yeah. bars and restaurants and, and yeah. facilities because we've not had them for so long. But yeah, so, I mean, going back in time, yeah, I, I feel like there was this just this huge change in... I don't know what it was. There was just a, a, a sort of a boom of entrepreneurs, wasn't there? That wanted they could yeah. see that people were going out. They could they could see that there was um, a market there, and there was an opportunity to bring all sorts of new dining and bar experiences into Manchester. It was a place that wanted to party, wasn't it? Mm. We are we are a party city, and people like Tim Bacon and Living Ventures. Um, I mean, they had he had such a, a big impact on the city, didn't he? Mm. And everything he opened just was incredible wasn't it it was just raising the bar all the time and then other people wanted to, to yeah. bring their kind of thing in as well um, and of course as well within all this happening there was of course, of course San Carlo opened as well and to me that is just such it's such an incredible story for Manchester that isn't it it's obviously um, mm. a man who was a hairdresser at Kendall's back in the day but he's an Italian and he decided he wanted to set up a restaurant and it was essentially just a really great Italian restaurant, but it just became something else. It became the number one celeb haunt in the city. Yeah. And as we covered more stories of celebrities going there, it just had this knock-on effect that the more celebrities who were pictured there, the more wanted to go there. Yeah. And, you know, people thought, are oh, they getting paid to go there? Or, you know, and, uh, you know, I spoke to Marcello, the, you know, uh, the owner uh, many times, and he said, no, people think we pay them. And it's just not true. They come, they just come here. And it's not even like, I mean, now looking back, it's not even like it's got a selfie wall or any of these things you've got no. now on Instagram. There's nothing. It was just a great Italian yeah. restaurant with a great vibe. Yeah. All on one level. So everyone was, you know, there's no VIP area. Um, but it was the place to be. Um, and yeah, I'm sure it will be as well. Yeah. You know, once things reopen, but it was that—that that to me was kind of when things started to change because all the celebs 
were suddenly out and about and there was this change in paparazzi culture as well. You suddenly got like all these people starting as paparazzi um, or coming from other cities because they could see there was an opportunity here in Manchester because so there was just a buzz about the place, a real showbiz vibe. You've got so many different things happening. You've obviously got all the, the footballers here. There was the rise of the wag culture, um, you know, with Colleen Rooney here and then all the Manchester United players and their wives. You had all the big fashion shows happening at Harvey Nichols and Selfridges. Remember them? Yes, I mean, they were incredible. Gosh, yeah. It was just such exciting mm. times in the city. And sort of one thing led to another. It was just a sort of knock-on. And, you know, so if you had a big fashion show, then everyone would be going out to a party afterwards, um, you know, so they could be at Rosso or they could be at one of the new bars or up at Room Restaurant, which it was. Mm. And there was just it was just a, a genuine vibe across the whole the whole of the city, mm. and it was great to be reporting on that. Yeah, and there was so many independents, weren't they? As you say, they weren't necessarily the, the big chains. These were businesses that were kind of homegrown or had local investment in them, which they you, they're the place where everybody knew your name. So you'd go, wouldn't you? And they'd you'd be recognised and welcomed, and that you know you go back, don't you? If you feel like that, that's right. I mean, that's again, that's what Marcello will say is the success of San Carlo is that it's, it's that everyone is to them, everyone is a celebrity, is what they say. Yeah. And everyone's treated that way when they go in. And that's why people like going there, isn't it? And go back there. Yeah. And San Carlo's been a massive export, hasn't it? It's a Manchester export now. I mean, it's, they've got um, venues around the world now. Exactly. It's mm. a huge Manchester success story. Mm. But there's been so many like that. I think it's it's a city that really um, nurtures an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. And um, what else do you recall from that, that kind of decade? What else? really kind of burgeoned at that time? Um, I think as well kind of the live music scene for me was just a huge thing and I guess because of that, the luxury hotels as well, there's kind of this symbiosis between the two. Um, you'd have the world's biggest stars coming to Manchester and quite often they would start their European tour here in Manchester because they knew the audiences here would give them a warm welcome and that we're a party city. Yeah. I mean, what a great legacy that is for Manchester. Mm. Um and, you know, again, I just just hope that comes back next year. I'm sure it will. We've already had some exciting announcements, haven't we, about, about gigs coming up. But, yeah, so, you know, we had a, you know, you'd have a situation where you've got Lady Gaga staying at the, the Lowry Hotel. Um, you've got Justin Timberlake staying. I remember once being at the Lowry, uh, just having a coffee with uh, Helen Hipkiss, the uh, amazing sales manager there, as was. Um, and she was like, oh, just a minute, I've just got to go. And Tony Blair was coming into the hotel, who was, at the time, the Prime Minister. And... At the same time, Kylie Minogue was also coming into the hotel and the paparazzi were going crazy. And obviously n neither of them knew like which, which, which the paparazzi were there for. But, I mean, obviously they got a double, double helping, didn't they? But, you know, that was what was happening at the time. It was just, again, such a, a buzz that there was these massive stars as well as you know, world leaders all kind of milling around yeah. at the same yeah. time. And, yeah, and, and hotel launches, again, they've been some of the best parties to attend and to cover. We obviously had the big launch of the Hilton Hotel on Deansgate. Mm. What a massive... Um, event that was for the city, a massive achievement in that architecture. Yeah. Um, hotel Gotham more recently, there was just so much interest in that, that hotel and the incredible themed decor. Um, and again, people like hiring out that hotel, created stories, footballers had big parties there. Um, yeah, it just the hotels really kind of flourished because of um, big entertainment things yeah. happening in the city and, of course, big football matches as well. All these things coming together to make it a really vibrant uh, and exciting city. Yeah, I'm feeling so nostalgic now. We used to hang around in the, like, 
a long time ago, but we used to go to the Lowry if we knew there's a gig on, and the, invariably you could get somebody who'd done the gig that'd come back and get jump on the piano in the Lowry bar. Well, that, that, that's it. Yeah, it was, and you know, I remember writing quite a few features at the time, like you know, the Manchester celeb haunts, where to spot a celeb, and it was it was a good feature to write because I thought if people are into that. You know, there's a good chance if you go out on a Saturday night, you will spot a celeb if you hang around in the Lowry Bar or if you're at San Carlo. You know, with the past year we've had, it's just, it seems like an, an alien world almost, isn't it? I just can't imagine going back to that now where you're all crammed into a room with everyone and... We'll get there. Yeah, we so, will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it'll be there. But I remember Karina saying, Karina Jada from Menagerie, saying that she had decided to go on a well-earned holiday with a partner she was absolutely shattered. And then Beyonce was on at the arena and she found out that the dancers had all gone to Menagerie and were dancing on the catwalk. And she was on holiday drinking a cocktail, crying. I <laughs> bet, she yeah. Was it. But, you know, she did have Justin Timberlake to dance, <laughs> she didn't did, she? Not she long did. after. She did, yeah. to be fair. That's it. I mean, yeah, I mean, Karina, you know, Karina's obviously got amazing <laughs> stories, hasn't she? But I mean, with Neighbourhood as well, the, the rise of Neighbourhood, that was the, kind of the next one that got all the celebs there. And I remember Miley Cyrus, yes. you know, going there for her after party. This is the thing, you know, it's not just the celebs staying here, the, these A-list stars. They actually want to go out in Manchester. And that's, again, it's such a great thing, isn't it, about our city, that it's cool and it's cool on a world stage. It's, yeah. You know, people do want to come here. And, again, that's why I have a lot of confidence in, in the future that, it, you know, we will be back. And, and if people can just hang on in there, mm. it, you know, yeah. so much good things are going to happen in the future, I know. So, obviously, you're massively passionate about the city. So, how would you describe it to somebody who'd never been here? What's always excited me is that Manchester is a place where you, you know there's a feeling that things can happen and things will happen, whether that be a business starting, you know, that, that could happen from nothing, or whether that be a night out, that, like you say, a night out that could have started just in one bar and then you end up mm. dancing till three o'clock in the morning in mojos, or, mm. you know, it's a city of great possibilities. Mm. It's a city of great heritage, uh, great culture and just creativity. There's mm. just so many creative people here now. I think sometimes we forget just how many industries now have you know chosen Manchester as a city. You know, when the BBC moved up here, there's so many brilliant broadcasters up here now, creatives, creative storytellers, great PR agencies, mm. um, great journalists. There's just, we're a, we're a city of storytellers. Yeah. And luckily for all of us, there are so many great people with stories yeah. to tell. Um, the skill is being able to help people understand what their story is. And I think that's the skill of a journalist or the skill of a, of a PR, isn't it? Mm. And so tell us some of those stories that you might be able to kind of you sit around a dinner party table and everyone wants to know. And there must have been some caucus. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, people like to know about, you know, the kind of the, the big stars, I suppose. Well, what's, what's amazed me over the years is, is the the big stars you've met in random places. Um, like the first time I met Lady Gaga, it was in Wally Range. She was doing this <laughs> random, um, it was a charity initiative. She was doing a bit of painting on a wall. But she turned up in this massive hat created out of blonde hair. Um, and just just crazy. I mean, that was it was just before she was like massively famous. And there was other reporters there and she was, but she was just so strange but you just knew that she was someone special because of just these weird cookie answers she was giving um but yeah she was supposed to be painting this wall but she, she literally came in with this tiny little brush and just sort of dabbed dabbed it like that on the wall <laughs> and then was like 
<laughs> thank you to my fans. Thank you to my fans. She was um, quite unusual. But again, in later years, she would come back and, uh, you know, she stayed at the Lowry and then she went to Affleck's Palace. She's someone who wanted to... She, You could tell she was someone who wanted to explore the city yes. and get to sort of the underbelly of the city yes. and really understand it. Um, so you would find her in, you know, quite unusual places. Um, and a bit like um, Snoop Dogg as well, um, when he came to Manchester and he went to Oddsaw, oh, oh, I call it Oddsaw, but I, I know locals. Oddsaw. Oddsaw. <laughs> um, he was there, uh, again, at a youth club. And um, I remember chatting to him about Corrie. And he um, he said he was a massive Corrie fan. And this ended up being a, a big national story. Everyone, t- you know, took the story from, from the MEN on this one. And I just thought, I, I don't know whether I believe you on this. You know when you think it's a PR stunt? Does he really watch Corrie? So this is what I always say to people who say they're a fan of Corrie. I say, oh, so who's your favourite character? And he said... Fred Elliott. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he really he really is a fan of Curry. This is super weird. But yeah, so um yeah, but he was a, he was then Rio Ferdinand and, and I've never seen anyone play football so badly as Snoop Dogg. He could not kick the ball. It was hilarious. So yes, that was a good one. I mean Rihanna before she was again before she was famous, um remember me I mean she was that was literally she was just starting out and she was at the Trafford Centre do launching a perfume for Clinique. And I just could tell she was going to be a massive star. She just had this star quality. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so that was a good one. Victoria Beckham in Selfridges. Just, that you know, that's kind of the, the privilege of the job, I think, just meeting random people um, in quite unusual settings, I suppose. And were you ever starstruck by anybody in particular? Um, I suppose someone like um, Liam Gallagher, again, because he was such a big hero in, in, when I was younger, so to meet him, I was thinking, oh my god, this is going to be. This could either be really good or really horrendous. Thankfully, the first time I met him, he was absolutely lovely. He's another one, Curry. You know, we wanted to talk about Curry, so I was like, who's your favourite character then? If you if you're big into Curry, uh, and he said, Fizz, Fizz, right. she's the one. So again, you, you yeah, sort of know if someone, <laughs> you know if someone's a real fan. But um, yeah, I mean, but thankful. I mean, I was so starstruck, but you know, he as I say, thankfully, he was he was really lovely. But then. Well, I've interviewed him quite a few times, um, and sometimes he could be lovely, and sometimes didn't just didn't want to talk to the press mm. at all, and you could just tell. But I mean, I suppose that's like everyone. Normal. It's a bit mm. like I saw on your list of in- values and integrity and everything, but also you said no dickheads, oh, didn't yeah. you? That's yeah. something you don't tolerate. No. And I, I do get no that. <laughs> I do get that, but I just feel like, especially in my business and the people I've met over the years. Everyone can be a bit of a dickhead mm. sometimes, is mm. my feeling on life. Yeah, I agree. I think you just have to, sometimes you just have to think, let it go. <laughs> it's whether they're your dickhead or not, aren't they? I mean, like you can, we, I mean, and the point of values is the fact that we can't be perfect on them, but I think if, if you're an excessively uh, a pain in the arse, then, you know, you just have to, yeah, you have to have a word of yourself, don't you? But some dickheads are actually quite funny and they're, they're in, they make interesting <laughs> stories, don't they? They do indeed. They, they thrive <laughs> on them. I love them. And have you been packed with anybody famous that you've been excited well, about? There was, well, actually, yes, there is There is one um, period of, of my life in Manchester um, when David Guest, um, after he was in I'm a Celebrity, mm. David Guest, as in Liza Minnelli's yes. ex-husband, um, he became um, he became a bit of a friend, and he became a regular visitor to Manchester. He was such a nice guy, so I would meet up with him quite regularly just for these random chats, and I would cover his shows that he was doing or whatever. Um, and he came to the diary party yeah. one year, which we organised um, every year, big massive event at the Lowry, and so I was photographed with him there. 
and um, thankfully it's gone. I, th- I did check recently, and it has gone. But it, it used to, be, if you put David Guest girlfriend in, or d- into Google, <laughs> that image would come up as the first image for years. Were you on it? It was me and him. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. So, <laughs> of course, with Google, you can't. I don't know. You can't get rid of these things from Google, can you? But I mean, well, obviously, I, was, I thought, well, that's fine. If people want to think I'm David Guest's girlfriend, that's fine. Um, so yeah, so it was very sad, wasn't it, when he, he passed away? Yeah, um, I remember at the party. I mean, that Manchester News Diary party was bonkers, wasn't it? It was the biggest social calendar day of the year, really. And you never knew what you were going to get. It was always going to be something mega, though. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, it was a very random party. <laughs> I mean, we invited. Uh, well, I invited like a thousand people to that every year. And can you imagine trying to manage that guest list? And I was trying to do all that while doing my job as well. So, I mean, but it was a fantastic party. And what I liked about it, and what I wanted it to be, is was to represent... The whole point of it was to say thank you to contacts mm. of the diary page and of the MEM. And that's what I liked about it, that it was just such a mix of people. Obviously, the celebrities are what grabbed the headlines mm. and the, they're on the red carpet on the outside and... People would maybe think, oh, just celebrities, no, it's people from Hollyoaks and and that kind of thing. People could be quite snotty about things like that. But what it actually was, was this huge melting pot of Manchester, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So you'd see someone you'd probably not seen for a year, well, since the last diary party. So it could be, you know, an old children's entertainer or it could be a pop star. It could, you know, it could be Shane Ward there from The X Factor. It could be Noddy Holder you'd catch up with there or Peter Hawke. Um, the Cortinas would always come, but it'd be that. But it's also the music boss, you know, the boss of SJM would be there, yeah. as well as you know, radio station bosses, people from the BBC, BBC Breakfast would be there. It would just be this lovely mix mm. of yeah. what was happening in Manchester that year, really. Yeah. And that's why that's why I loved it. But also, it was just it was a bit of a pain. Oh, in the I bum can't to imagine how <laughs> difficult that was to organise and like yeah, juggling invitations at the last minute. Um, but and people, oh gosh, can you can you imagine? Yeah. Well, you can because you know what <laughs> yes. it's like. People, oh, can I just bring? Plus eight, plus eight guests. I've got eight friends with me. No, sorry. <laughs> it was oh. such a great night, that, definitely. So tell me about your black book. Whose number have you got in there that we might be most impressed by? Well, I mean, I have got a black book. Do you know what? I've never, I don't even look at it hardly anymore because, again, the way things have changed, yeah. you just get direct onto people on social media, yeah. don't you? Yeah. So I have got everyone's number in that book, Um no one wants them anymore <laughs> because you know if you want a quote, a yeah. quote off a celebrity or yeah. you know sadly when people die now you know the tributes you don't need to, again well it's one of the horrible parts of the job but i used to have to if someone died famous in manchester i'd have to ring up um you know people who would have mm. known them and other celebrities and say well, i'm really sorry to tell you this but such and such has died you know do you want to make a tribute you know and often they would and they'd want to say something but it's quite intrusive, that. Mm. Whereas, obviously, with Twitter now, people like to have a go at journalists saying, oh, you're just taking stuff off Twitter. But actually, it's a direct way to get yeah. a quote off someone without intruding on their grief, you know, in that circumstance or whatever. It's, it's you know, and you're getting their real words, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so journalism changed a lot. Journalism has changed a lot in that respect. Um, but, yeah, no, but I'm still pretty pleased to have the numbers I've got in that book, should I need to call, call upon them. <laughs> no drink time. dialing, though, on a Friday night. No, no, just no. I think no. they might want to chat when they, you do and they don't. <laughs> Has anybody stood out for you over your career um, in showbiz that's been a really, truly lovely person? Um, well, it'd have to be Gary Barlow, wouldn't yeah. it? Because, mm. again, I mean, I was a fan of them when I was young, so obviously then coming into journalism and actually getting to meet him and get to know him and 
again, become quite friendly, I suppose, with him. That was one of the great joys. Um, but also, he was just so lovely. Mm. You know, one of those celebrities that actually remembered who you were when you met them. Yes. Um, you know, hi, Diane, how are you? You know, how's the family? That kind of thing. Um, and you just, you appreciate that, really, because a lot of them aren't. There's so many celebs I've met over the years. And you, like Coronation Street stars, I won't name them, but some of them, I'd meet them every week at some do or another. And every time I met them, it would be like I'd have to try and introduce they must have known who I was, yourself. but it was almost like they'd mm. look at you like, what, what do you want now and who mm. are you? That kind of thing. It just, I don't, you know, I think it's sort of, there's no harm in just being a bit kind with people, is there? Mm. And you, you, I think you, you sort of really appreciate that and remember that the most, don't Definitely. you? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Gary, obviously number one. <laughs> I wonder if you're his number one. No, well, I don't. Oh, sadly not. He's got about three million fans, hasn't he? <laughs> three million, three billion, probably. So, what would you say is the hottest ticket you've ever had? Well, maybe the Stone Roses, the big. Do you remember the when they got back together? Mm. I'm going to see them at Heaton Park. Well, I say hot ticket. I mean, I suppose thousands of people went to yeah, that. But, but I mean, I was great, in the VIP yeah. bit and I went to the after party. You didn't and have that to was... queue for the toilet. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have to queue for the toilet. <laughs> Again, one of the big perks of the job, yes. getting into the VIP areas for these things. Um, that I mean, God, that was one of the best nights ever. Again, but being a fan of theirs growing up, yeah. to see them back and then afterwards to hang out, you know, because obviously all the, their fans, all their celebrity fans were all there and this incredible party in a tent at Heaton Park. Brilliant, brilliant. Amazing. So, Diane, we've just, we're in Bonded Warehouse recording this podcast and we've just walked down the stairs past a massive canvas of Ina Sharples looking over Salford. And obviously Coronation Street is celebrating its 60th anniversary this year and it's moved from this exact site that we're on, so that the, the, sets, the old set's just here. How important has Coronation Street been for Manchester and our place on the kind of world stage? Well, it's just it's just massive. I think people sometimes forget that. I mean, everyone thinks of Manchester, maybe think Manchester United and Manchester City are what puts us on a world map. But Corrie, it's the it's the world's longest running soap opera. I mean, sixty years. It's just incredible, isn't mm. it? It's you know it's, it's shown around the world now, and it you know it really does put the city on a world stage. And I mean, how great! It's something that was created here in Manchester by a Manc. It's about Manchester. It is life in Manchester, and it, people love it. Um, and, you know, it's a privilege for me as a journalist to watch it move from here at Granada, where we are today, and see that huge move over to Trafford Wharf and that amazing site over there, this incredible state-of-the-art film studios and that they completely replicated the set. Again, just such a, an amazing thing mm. to happen here in Manchester. And hopefully they'll get the tours back going over there as well, you know, next year when things hopefully are better. Um, because again, that's a, a huge attraction yes. for the city, and you get visitors from across the world now to come and, and see that. And from a journalist point of view and story point of view at the at the MEN, you know, it was always massive when we it was just the paper. But once we saw online and we could see the figures, anything about Corrie just flies. Really? People love it. There's a huge fan base, and people are really interested in those stories. So, if you're not a fan and you're on the MEN site and you're like, "Why is Corrie in again?" That is why Corrie is is there in there because. It's something that we should be proud of. It's something that puts Manchester on a world map and it's something of huge interest to a lot mm. of people. Mm. It's a real place in people's heart for Coronation Street, isn't it? I mean, Joan Roney, who was on the, the podcast a few episodes back, told us that her mum, she was brought up in Birmingham, but her middle name is named after a Coronation Street character of that era 
because she won't tell us what it is. Mm. But her mum was such a big fan from Birmingham that she wanted to name her after that. <laughs> after that. I think it's quite a common thing to name your kids after a Coronation Street character, isn't it? Well, yeah, well, um, yeah. Uh, Jenny, famously, Jenny McAlpine, just um, a couple of years ago, her little baby daughter, she called Hilda. Yeah. Um, and it's lovely That's to see those now. names coming back, isn't it? We were saying, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love it, the names Ina and Elsie now. I think they're brilliant yeah. names. I wish I had a little girl, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> my my godfather, who was our next door neighbour when we were growing up, is actually called Stan. O- he was not with us now. Called Stan Ogden. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really suited him. <laughs> so you now um, you've recently come back from maternity leave. So you have got two very young children, and your youngest is just over a year old now. Is that right? Well, he's he's, he's one this month. What this month? Yeah, I can't believe that time's gone. Um, and so you're freelancing, and also you're the deputy editor of Isle of Manchester. So again, that's a platform which literally helps us to kind of share the love for the city, and it's got a real community purpose. Why do you think also that's another important platform for Manchester? Um, well, after I left the MEN, um, it was just great to be asked to go and um, work for I Love Manchester because it's you know it's a brand that just champions the city and loves the city, and that's kind of what I'm all about as well. Mm. Um, it wants to celebrate the creativity and the good things about the city. It was born out of um, the riots. That's how it started. Uh, because the founder, Chris Greenhalgh, um, wanted to bring something positive after that. Because if you remember them in the rights, that was what a dark course, day for the city, yes, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so that's what he's kind of done. And of course, it came back again into public conscience, really, after what happened with the Manchester Arena bomb. Mm. Because when great, tragic things happen in the city, what is great about Manchester is they come together, don't we? We yes. as a city come together yeah. and want to kind of show our pride, I suppose, in the city and that, Bad things won't define us, will they? And we we can work together. And so that's what's great as a as a brand is that it's championing that. Mm. And just going back to the arena, you covered that then in terms of the whole kind of, as you say, the grief and the tragedy, the, the outpouring of grief after that event. How did that impact you? I mean, that was that was probably the hardest period um, of my life in in my career, mm. and I think probably all journalists who were at the MEN at that time would would say the same thing. Um, it was just. It was just so awful. Um, I remember, I mean, I was working that night. I was working on showbiz stuff that night, half ten when it was the news started to come through. And you couldn't quite believe it at first. You were thinking, what's, what's, what can this be? And one of our colleagues was supposed to be there that night to, to cover the show. And so, of course, we were trying to fight, get hold of him. And for a horrible hour, we thought he was injured in some way. He was he was caught up in it. Thankfully, he wasn't. But it was just that, that feeling... If, how could this happen? Mm. How could this happen here? Mm. You know, we're a city who loves to go out to events like that. How could someone do that? Um, but of course, after that, after those initial horrible days of reporting what happened, started to come those sort of beautiful signs of solidarity together yeah. that we wouldn't let this um, define us. But to me, to this day, I still cannot believe Ariana Grande, that young, you know, she was 24, wasn't she, at the time? Yeah. How did she put together the One Love Manchester concert? Just it was two weeks later, wasn't it? Mm. How how could she have done that? It's just incredible. Mm. And um, again, I don't even remember, but obviously the night before it was due to take place was the uh, terrorist attack in London. Yeah, and I'd been covering the night before the British Soap Awards had still gone ahead at the Lowry in Salford, and again the news trickled through as we were covering that of what was happening in London. And you just thought, there's no way that it can go ahead tomorrow. No way. 50,000 people, was it, at, at yes, Old Trafford? Yeah. How can that happen? 
Well, it did, didn't it? it and did. It, and I was there. I was covering that that night, and it was an incredible honour. It was it was scary though. It was you know at the time I had a young boy. Well, I still have a you know I got a son George, and I thought, am I doing the right thing here? But I thought you can't let them. You can't let the terrorists win here. And so I'm so glad I did go to it and to see what happened that night and just that outpouring of love. And again, for the whole world to see that in Manchester and to see that we came together and we stood together yeah, um, was an incredible thing. I think it's something, that whole period is something that if you're, as a, a person that's lived through that that time, that it probably has the most significant um, impact on your life, I would, I would think. Yeah. Um, really, and really centred you around being a person from the city. And, and I remember standing at the vigil and there were the media from around the world there. And it was interesting because they were trying to get interviews with people and they, and they asked me and I, I said no, but the, the amount of people also who turned down interviews there because it was a private moment for us as Manchester. Mm. Mm. And it wasn't a, a time where people wanted to get on the TV to, to talk about it. They just wanted to make sure they were there for each other yeah. and it was really moving. It's been your job as a journalist to build relationships across GM, as you say, with lots of businesses and, and hospitality um, businesses, but then also celebrities and visitors to the city. How important has that been to your career and, and what do you feel is the kind of the qualities of building great relationships? Um, I think taking an interest in everybody's story um, is kind of part of it for, for a journalist. So... Like wherever I would go for for a job, if I was sitting at a, a a launch do or a dinner, it's to find out about everyone. You know, it's not just about the celebrities or whatever. Mm. It's taking an interest in people because mm. I think, as we said earlier, everyone's got a story to tell, and quite often they don't know themselves. So I find it fascinating to find out what makes people tick, and quite often just by having that chat, you can find out something really extraordinary mm. about a person, and that's what leads on to other stories. I've had mm. so many amazing. Stories come from things like that, you know, just from right random chats, and they take you down different avenues. Yeah. Um, so I think just taking an interest in people. But you know, I've always tried. It sounds stupid because you know, I suppose technically diary showbiz, it was kind of a gossip column. But people kind of trusted me with their story. You know, I'm not, I was never really an indiscreet sort of person. I don't think in terms of um, reporting, people trusted me um, with telling their story, and I feel that's you know, probably one of the things I'm most proud of, mm. really. Yeah, I was going to ask that question, is that was that element of trust once you built that up, then people will come to you with stuff um, and you can build that kind of proximity without them thinking that you're going to run every line that they utter. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I think it's interesting, um, Liz, I think Liz Taylor um, said something to this effect, that um, it's not it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who, it's who knows you. Yes. And that's very true in Manchester because... And I don't even know how I did it. You know, I just I started as a journalist. Didn't know that many people in Manchester, but it's quite a good city to get around very quickly, isn't it? You get to very quickly know the right people, I suppose, that get you into different places and take you down different avenues. And once you've built up the network, people just know you. Mm. And it was incredible for me. People would just ring up all the time, and or I started. You know, people would bump, you know, see me out and about and say, "Oh, are you that Diane Bourne?" <laughs> yes, I am. I am. I need to change my profile to that Diane Bourne because that's what <laughs> that's what people already say. Um, so that's yeah, a compliment that you know. It, isn't well, it? it is. It is. It is. Um, 
But yeah, people wanted to be on the diary page. Yeah. People wanted to be in the MEN. And people, well, people still do. I mean, that's why the MEN is yes. just gone crazy online. It's People forget it's, it's, it's one of the biggest success stories of, of the online world, you know, the Manchester Evening News. People wonder why they do, you know, moan about the stories that they do. Why are you doing these showbiz stories, all the rest of it? It's part of the rich tapestry of Manchester. Yeah. And the MEN cover everything. You know, they cover, yeah. the, they cover the big news stories. They cover the court stories. They cover all the complete crisis with coronavirus. But they also cover the restaurant launches mm. and the bar launches and the showbiz and TV. And that, you know, it's all part of what makes Manchester great. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. Know, it's all got a part to play. And I think early on, before there were, was the proliferation of kind of showbiz gossipy everywhere else online, the MEN showbiz diary, wasn't it? The, that was the place where you, you got all your news from and it was, you know, you couldn't wait to see what was breaking and who was saying what. Yeah, that's it. And it was, those days it was great, you know, people would ring up, oh, is that Diana? I've just seen such and such down <laughs> Dean's Gate in a Bentley. <laughs> it was just so, it was just funny. It was just, you know, we used to do Celeb Watch. I remember doing that all the time and it was, I don't know, light-hearted and good fun, yeah. really. Yeah. So, like Liz Taylor said, yeah, it's it's who knows you, isn't it? And also, I think not be, we have a showbiz uh, kind of gossip columnist that doesn't gossip. I suppose that's important too, isn't it? So that whole idea <laughs> well, it's of it's gossiping it's, the right way, exactly. Yeah. Knowing knowing the bits you can say and the bits it's yeah. better off not saying. Certainly, right out because of oh yeah, because I mean you know some of the showbiz huffs that I've seen and hissy fits and couples having arguments, but. It's not worth ruining a relationship no. for some things. No. I mean, I don't know. Some of the tabloid journalists, pro you know, would do those kind of stories. But if you're working in Manchester, some of those, you have to think about the long game and, like you say, the relationships. Totally. And I think that's the thing here, isn't it, is that if you make a relationship and you invest in it, you've got it for life in, in Greater Manchester. But, you know, people don't forget. So if you kind of break a trust, uh, it's a small community and people remember that too, don't they? So it's important to be... Nice, and also to people when they're on the on the, the up, you know. To the, uh, I was always taught by my first boss that be nice to all the junior reporters because one day they'll be the editor, and then you'll be trying <laughs> to get your story. In. So I always heeded that advice. Values are really important to us at Roland Transfield, and and have changed the business in the last two years, and we really got focused on what they uh, they are. And you've had a long and successful career as a journalist, and have a reputation for being an utter professional in situations that, you know, they're perhaps a little bit ad hoc at times in terms of nights out where you had to kind of, uh, you, you know, you, you had to, as you say, work in that environment. What values have been important to you in your career? Well, looking at your list of values, um, some of those kind of resonate with me. Um, I know one of them is for you is, you know, to play for the name on the front of the shirt, not the name on the back. Mm. Um, interesting one, that one. Um, it relates to me because... Um, Certainly when I was working at the MEN, I know, you know, my face was in the paper and everything and it was on the diary page, but no one is bigger than the brand and you have to realise that and you have to respect that because for me, it was the honour to work for the MEN um, and represent the MEN and that was what I was there to do. And the MEN is very much the voice of Manchester, isn't it? Yeah. And so that's you know, what a privilege that was to work for them. Um, and the same now for working at Isle of Manchester, you have to remember it's about the brand, their brand and it's about promoting Manchester and respecting what they are trying to do. So I do like that value of mm. yours. And also, you know, plant trees you will never see. I'm really, pr you know, I'm, I'm proud of what I did at the MEN and, you know, of what we built there and, and perhaps, well, doing my part in building the buzz, I suppose, yeah. um, in Manchester. And as I say, I mean, now the, the showbiz side is just burgeoning there now for them online. Mm. Um, 
and you know playing I suppose a small part in that and you must have been to several hundred gala dinners to cover them and give them some glow and and obviously then that impacts on the fundraising doesn't it so yeah I mean again I was yeah something I'm really proud of at the MEN I was I always went to the I tried to go as many as I could to support like the charity balls again they're such I just feel so bad for them this year because it's been such a knock for all of their fundraising, hasn't it, yeah. what's happening? And people think, oh, the glitz and glamour, it's like a red carpet ball and the celebs there. But actually, they are huge, huge, important events for a lot of charities. It's their biggest fundraiser of the year, that charity ball. Yeah. They could be raising £50,000 on that one night, mm -hmm. which is probably more that they could raise it in a whole year of, of other fundraising, mm -hmm. fundraising activities. Um, so, yeah, I always did my best to, to support so many different charities while at the MEN. And I knew, um, you know, I had some lovely feedback from them. And when I left, you know, that some lovely, lovely messages. So, you know, again, I just feel proud that I was able to help in some way mm. over the years with that. Um, and I just hope, it, you know, as soon as we can safely, we can return to mm. that. We talk about planting trees and never see it at Roland Ransfield too. And so we've done a lot of charity. And obviously you and I have done something together, didn't we, last year, which it, it feels, it was, I can't believe it was over a year ago now, but which was a Strictly Come Dancing competition yes. for the Seashell <laughs> Trust, which oh, is an amazing yeah. charity, which supports young people, doesn't it, with severe disability. It is an amazing charity. And they and we did raise an incredible amount of money that night, didn't we? It was but, over 100,000, I think, wasn't it, on the night? Yeah, way over that, yeah. Yeah, so we get, but yeah, but well, we, we we had to do a lot of training, didn't we? I didn't realise quite how much do. training was involved for just one one minute dance. I think it was, wasn't it? It was a <laughs> it was a bit longer than that, Diane. Was it? But we, Diane and I had to do um, we from zero to hero. I'm not sure about the hero bit, but learn ballroom dancing, didn't we? Over a twelve week period with some of the amazing people from Greater Manchester. And what did you do? The, what did you do? The samba. I did the samba, and I did the pasodoble. But the, the funniest thing was actually we had to get on a train, didn't we, at um, Crew, and get on a train oh. to the bowels of Croydon to try on ballroom dresses. That well, we, didn't, we didn't have to do this though, did we, Lisa? Why did we do that? Why? Because I wanted to wear Gemma Atkinson's dress, basically, <laughs> <laughs> which I did in the end. Ah, because we went down there and like, literally everything was like a size was. six, wasn't it? There was these <laughs> tiny little outfits, tiny little bikinis with tassels on. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Well, we kept coming out of the changing room and almost crying. It was the most depressing day. <laughs> <laughs> but it well, was we did worth it. it. We it did was it. Worth it in well, the yeah, end. yeah. I mean, I had to go out first as well that night, didn't I? You I was did. going, oh. And I tell you what, though, but I've got massive, massive respect for anyone who does Strictly Come Dancing now because mm. that was just one dance we had to do, wasn't yeah. it? And they have to do it every. Oh, gosh, that was so. It's such hard work. Yeah. They are amazing, though, but yeah. I'm absolutely completely obsessed with Strictly now and I want to do it again. But the next <laughs> challenge that you missed out on this year because you're on maternity but might not be so lucky next time is the three peaks in Japan. Oh, gosh. So are you up for that one? No, 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 no. I'll leave that one to you, Lisa. <laughs> so just talking about legacy, um, I'm interested. Everyone I speak to really feels strongly about the fact that Mancunians do want to leave a legacy. And again, it's kind of leaving Manchester in a better place. So what would you feel that your legacy um, has been or what would you like it to be? Um, I suppose a little bit like some things I've said earlier. Uh, you know, I'd like to think I've done my bit to build the buzz in the city. Yeah. Um, I've been a witness to, you know, a cultural explosion, really, over the years. I've got such a great, great creative scene here. And I suppose just my great hope now is that as we move into 2021, we can see that return and, and flourish again, once again. 
and that I can continue to try and play a, some part mm. in that, really. Quick fire round, Diane. What is the best party you've ever been to? Oh, well, the Ivy, I reckon. Oh, yes, of course, um, yeah. Most recently. Um, Shouts out for Liz Taylor on that as well. Yeah. The, the, both, both the original launch, which was unbelievable, yes. and then about 10 months later, they did that one. They had the fire, didn't they? Reopened to say thank you to Manchester. It's like, we don't have to keep saying thank you to us. It's just unbelievable. That was unbelievable. They put this great big circus, didn't they, on Springfield? Yeah. yeah. This incredible circus show. Champagne everywhere. Mm. The whole night, yeah. it was unreal. Yes, no. Unreal. <laughs> I remember with that fire, I was in Thailand with my daughter and we got stuck in that. It was a really bad tropical storm. So we were really thinking it was another tsunami, actually. It was It was nothing like that, but it was pretty scary. And when I woke up in the morning, very early, my phone had gone like literally it was on fire literally and I thought people worried about us being the storm but they were just worried about the fire at the Ivy I had about 100 messages on my phone yeah. not checking in but just checking if the Ivy was okay again um, the drama there's always a drama isn't always. there can you believe that happened a fire on the roof of the Ivy no what what's the best gig you've ever been to oh the best gig I have been to some incredible gigs. I mean, like, some personal favourites. Like, like I said, you know, Take mm. That coming back, The Stone Roses coming back. Yeah. But I think just for the significance for the city, the Manchester Arena reopening concert, actually. Yes. Because that was just like this great night of Mancunian joy. It was. Just everyone singing. Like, everyone in there had a northern voice singing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You were singing along to... Stone Roses songs and stuff, and then the Cortinas and yeah, Noel Gallagher. Brilliant. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I went with my daughter and it was fantastic that night. Have you got a favourite artist or band, or is that really unfair question? A favourite Mancunian artist? Mm, yeah. It's so hard. I mean, the Smith from the Smiths, Joy mm. Division, Oasis. How do you choose between all of them? Mm, I know it's so tough. We've got such a pedigree here, haven't yeah, we? We, have, we? We have. I remember going to a gig, to the Smiths gig at the Arena, and it was the first time ever they'd not been able to sell meat pies because uh, Morrissey had banned. And there were signs everywhere, no yeah. meat by meat products <laughs> in the building. <laughs> what would be an ideal night out in town? For me, ooh, um, a nice meal somewhere um, and then probably ending up in somewhere like Mojo, I reckon. Oh, Mojo. <laughs> what we wouldn't give to go there I now, know. eh? You always had a completely new family for the night in Mojo. Totally, totally. And then obviously then you'd end up at the Liars Club and yes. deeply regret it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, coming in as the birds are tweeting. Yeah. Um, and also, best thing to come out of Manchester? The best thing to come out of Manchester? For me, probably the music, I would say. That's what lives on. I mean, I guess the football as well, but for me, just the music, because mm. music just takes you away to another place, doesn't it? And what's brilliant, I don't know, well, maybe, maybe it's just because we're from here, but when you hear the music of those Manchester bands, it... It feels like Manchester, doesn't it? It just mm. it feels like it's imbued with yes. the city and there's not many other... Maybe the Beatles and Liverpool, you feel Liverpool, don't you, in that music? Yeah. But the bands in Manchester, you really feel that. You really feel where they're from. Mm, absolutely. So thanks so much, Diane, for joining me on We Built the City. It's been a trip down memory lane and I just can't wait to get my glad rags out. I don't think I'll be able to put high heels on again, though. I think I'll be going to be <laughs> trainers. Ah! Do, you not, do we not get the chips chippy question anymore? Oh, my God, let me ask the trick. <laughs> What would, you, what would you order at the chippy? <laughs> oh, nothing now. I bet you don't even do chippy dinners now. Well, I've been on a health kick this year, but I do love the chippy, obviously. And it would for me, it's pudding, pudding chips, peas and gravy. Yeah. 
steak pudding. I mean, literally, they're weird, aren't they, them puddings? Because it's like, you only get them at the chip, you don't you want to get them anywhere else. They're like a weird alien thing. But I had to, I'm glad you asked it me, because I heard Sir Richard Lee's answer about the chippy. Yes. I can't believe he makes he his own pudgy peas. But you know what? He's not for sharing that recipe, I've asked him. Yeah, funny that. Because I don't think he does, does he? <laughs> Mushy peas are born in a tin. They only come in a tin or we're one of them big tin vats in the chippy. There's no way he makes his own You're saying that Sir Richard Lees is blagging it. I'm going (laughs) to... You'll find out, Diane. (laughs) So I'm I'm not envious of many people's careers, but I would have liked to have had a job swap with you for a few years. Around kind of 2000s, I think it would have been a lot of fun. You've allowed so many people in the city to have a window into some of the best gigs and the best parties, even if we were sitting at home in NFI. So, um, And we don't hold that against you whatsoever. It's great to see somebody who's not Mancunian immerse themselves so much in the city and be an incredible ambassador and tell some of those stories that will be there for forever. And I look forward to the next Seashell Trust Challenge, which probably won't be as glamorous as the last one. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not going up the, the three peaks with you. I'll tell you that now. Well, thank you, Lisa. They're very kind words. Thank you. Thank and you. it has been it has been an honour. Like you, that, that's such a nice thing to say about the wind. You know, giving people yeah. a window into those extraordinary events and places. And it's so happen. true. But we're glad that we didn't have to just yeah put the the miles in and wear the shoes every single night. <laughs> So you did do us a favour. So let's look forward to 2021 and maybe getting on uh, table emojos again. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Diane. Diane helped to build the city by taking an interest in everybody's stories, by being proud to represent the institution that is the Manchester Evening News, by providing a lens to parties that the rest of us were NFI, and by forgiving the dickheads. We Built This City is taking a break over New Year and we're going to be back on the 7th of January. So if you've got nothing to do or Jules Holland isn't your thing on New Year's Eve, why don't you have a listen to the back catalogue where we've got nearly 30 amazing Mancunians who can help you bring the New Year in. So in the meantime, have a great holiday, enjoy the break and look forward to a much better 2021 where we can all help to get together to rebuild this fantastic city. If you want to find more out about Roland Dransel PR and you'd like some help in creating your legacy, please head to rdpr.co.uk for more information or give us a call on the same number we've had for 24 years, 0161 236 1122.